Hi, and welcome to the second edition of the Print Spaces podcast, Sell Out. If you're an artist, then I'm guessing you would like to dedicate 100% of your time to creating work and to be able to fund the production of your work to reach your full potential. If this describes you, then you're in the right place. We're going to take a tour of the skills and ideas out there to reach and grow your audience and shock horror to make money from your creativity. The artists we know with sustainable and fast-growing careers are incredibly meticulous and strategic when it comes to the business side of things. And we're going to give you the power, confidence and skills to do exactly the same yourself. Could you sort of spend a day learning how to write a press release? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how, you know, quickly you can pick these things up. The journalist needs a little bit of help. You know, they, I mean, I find loads of really talented people on Instagram. That's how I sort of approach people and say, I saw your work on Instagram. Would it be okay if we featured you? Could we do a little interview? So it's not necessarily about pitching direct with press releases and, hey, I'm submitting my work. Here's my portfolio type thing. Journalists are scouring things like Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn especially, my goodness. I get so many news stories from LinkedIn these days. That's Katie Cowan. Katie is a serial entrepreneur who built a successful PR company before going on to found Creative Boom, the renowned creative industry platform delivering news, inspiration and insight to 7 million creatives a year. I had an in-depth and fantastic chat with Katie about marketing, PR and how to get your name out there as a creative. Katie is a great communicator and someone who is really there to support and champion creative people. I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, please subscribe and share. So it's really nice to be here with Katie Cowan, who's the founder of Creative Boom. And thanks for joining me today, Katie. So I guess we could just start off by asking you how you came to be doing Creative Boom. Were you in the creative industry before that and, and, and you decided to write about it? How did it come about? It was quite an interesting start, really. Do you know, the the honest answer is I was on honeymoon. (laughs) It was a very expensive year, 2009. And obviously the global economic crisis had happened and I'd been freelancing and had lost all of my clients overnight because they were all in the property sector. (laughs) So that was a bit of uh, bad luck. Learned a very valuable lesson not to stay in one sector right there. Anyway, I had one client left and... I was on honeymoon and I was sort of, you know, doing the usual thing us creative people have, which is not relax and always come up with ideas when, you know, you're lying on your sun lounger. And I just thought, you know, I've been like chatting to so many of my friends who are artists and designers because they're so much more interesting than I am because I was working in PR and marketing at the time. And everybody was struggling. Nobody knew how to really sort of promote themselves. And so I thought, right, well, I'm a journalist by trade. And I've got all this experience in PR. I know what I'll do. I'll start a little blog or a magazine and I'll call it Creative Boom because I want to create an industry boom for the creative industries. And it's something I'm really interested in. I love design and art. That'll be really fun. That'll keep keep me going during these dark times. So that's what I essentially did. I turned to my husband and said, I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to call it Creative Boom. Can can we sort that out when we get home? Because my husband's a software developer. He said, sure, I'll get you up and running on WordPress. There's a theme, theme forest you can use and choose a theme on there and we'll just get you going. I said, okay, cool. He said, right, you can relax now. (laughs) So when we got home, I started this little, little side thing and it was very, very simple back then. It was a case of 
sharing people's work, you know, reaching out to my friends on Twitter and saying, I've started a blog. I'm hoping it'll help boost your profile or give you a bit of SEO because I was I was dabbling in SEO as well. And off I went. And that was 13 years ago. And now it's my full time venture. I just, you know, can't quite believe that I'm here doing this as my full time job. So to answer your question, you know, was I in the creative industry? Sort of. I was in the, the marketing world and marketing communications. But really, it came from a passion to want to do something fun, give back and yeah, dig, dig myself and my friends out of what was a, a difficult time. So how, at what point did it become a sort of full-time professional venture and, and it sort of transferred from being in a sideline for you? Oh gosh, it was in early 2021, actually. Wow. Yeah, because during those 13 years, I also started a PR agency, a PR and digital communications agency with my husband. And we built it up and had staff and all the usual, all the office and was doing really well. But my heart was never really in it. I found that as I grew the PR agency and took on staff and the role that I had changed, I was gravitating more of love and passion towards creative being, but I never had the time. And it was very frustrating. And the dream was one day to maybe transition to running the platform full time. So the pandemic happened, things started to sort of change. And I think I just sort of thought, what am I doing? Cause I can actually do have, it, it had been a couple of years that I could do creative boom full time, but I just was very frightened of letting go of a, a business that had done, done me proud for, for a very long time. You know, you know, that feeling we get when we're like, gosh, that would be a big change. That, that feels a bit scary. I'll just, I'll keep things safe and do this, but also do that. But then in 2021, a client that I was working for had a changeover internally and the new marketing chap came in and said, right, apparently you're looking after our PR. What, what, we, what have we got planned for the year? And I don't know. I just looked out the window and I thought, do you know what? And I just told, I just said to him, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm moving in a new direction and I'm going to be doing this other thing. And he was like, oh, great. Well, best of luck. And, and off I went. And in the meantime, the PR agency I'd built with my husband for 10 years had evolved slowly into a software systems and development agency, which is now what it does and still has all the same clients remarkably, which I'm really proud of. You know, we, we've, we've, we've kind of, you know, still got the same business, but it's just evolved into something else. So it was early 2021, really classic pandemic. Oh, self-reflection let's just finally take the leap and go for it and see what can happen. And so it's now been 18 months that I've been doing this full time and it's just an absolute dream, if I'm honest. Amazing. I mean, do you feel like now you can concentrate on this full time? It's helped the growth of, yes. of, of Crazy Boom? 100%. It's flying. We're kind of, I, I like to say to people, we're in full on startup mode. You know, it's been going for 13 years, actually turns 13 this July but it's only really started to take off since I've been able to dedicate my full, my full focus on it. And there's a lesson there, isn't there? If there's an opportunity, you've got to kind of go for it. And yeah, and I think, oh, we've just, it's been a whirlwind, you know, when 2020 happened and a lot of people were on furlough, I'd never worked so hard in my life. It was one kind of chapter after another, one step in front of another, you know, let's solve that problem. Let's deal with this next thing. I mean, publishing is really difficult. I've, I've gone from 
journalist who started her career in radio in the sort of early 2000s when the digital revolution was disrupting our industry when Google and Facebook were taking away all the advertising. You know, I was encouraged by a former editor to go into PR because that's where money was more reliable and jobs were still secure. So that's exactly what I did. And actually the internet and online has been both a blessing and a curse to my career all the way through. You know, it's brought many kind of shifts, but huge amount of opportunity. So yeah, it's, I can't remember what you asked me now. I'm going off. Well, I, I, I just got so thinking about focus and, and I used to, I used to run a company in, in the commercial creative industry and print space. And then 2017, I had a kind of moment very, very similar to yours <laughs> where, where I was in, I was in a room and people were sort of high-fiving over some content that we created for a mobile phone network and I just sat there and I just couldn't get excited about it and <laughs> you know it, it it made me think about you know that kind of Steve Jobs speech from his stamp inauguration when, when he got his honorary degree and he said if you wake up too many times thinking why am I doing this then go and do something different don't live someone else's life don't live life's too short and at this, this point, he'd been diagnosed with cancer. And, and, and so he had a really good reflective sort of mindset. And I just thought about that. And I, I just said, right, I'm out. Yeah. And ever since then, I focused on print space full time. The When you do something just day in, day out, and it's the only thing you think about, you just get to a level of understanding of what you're trying to do and how to achieve what you want to achieve that you mm -hmm. just can't do when you're switching between you just can't yeah it's not possible it's not possible and I actually do have people ask me you know how did you do it and I'm like I don't I have no idea but you know it's easy for me because I don't have children on purpose so I kind of you know work all the time you know that's my main sort of focus and I'm really passionate about you know growing businesses but you, you know you're right I for me I call it my Don Draper moment you know I, I was in a meeting with a client and they were talking about something and I just looked out the window and I just thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? And that was ridiculous as it sounds. That was about five or six years ago. So it's actually taken me a long time to get to this point where I've gone, right, okay, I just need to go for it. And, you know, I, I guess it comes from when you've, when you've had a career that constantly has been disrupted and you've worried about redundancies left, right and centre, and then you've gone freelance in your late 20s and been thrown into a world where, you never know where the next job's going to come from. I think that stays with you for the rest of your life. You know, even if you have the capacity to go and do something full time because it's being a success, you don't want to let something go else go just in case. You know, as I said before, it's it's a really tough thing to do. So I feel very lucky that I've been able to do that in the last 18 months. And I'm just trying not to be too frustrated with myself for having not done it sooner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know exactly the same feeling, but yeah, it's when you've got two things going on, you, you, you kind of feel you've got less risk, but in, in a strange mm -hmm. way, somehow you're less likely to succeed to, to the level you want to with either of them. And I guess that kind of brings me on to your motivation for starting, which was something that I always sort of found with creatives is that you you saw all these creative people and you thought right i need to give this amazing work an outlet 
to to actually get some recognition and hopefully to grow careers. I think that creative people are they could be amazing at making work, but then when it comes to the promotion and self-promotion side of things, it becomes a really different skill for them and difficult. So maybe for them as well, it's also about that focus because you kind of have two jobs as a creative, whether you're a commercial creative or an artist, you've got to create the work and think about that. But at the same time, you've got to try and work out how to promote yourself, which in today's world, it seems to be harder and harder because just so many people out there, you know, the tools have become so much more widely available and there's so many distractions you're competing in so many ways to get noticed and that's a completely different skill do you do you sort of see that amongst creatives that they just don't know where to start definitely and and that was another reason why i you know i started creative being because one of our main sections which has always been there i think from the very start is a tips section so there's kind of advice pieces in there about how to how to get featured in your favorite blogs and magazines how to write a press release how to you know i think there's even a tips article from 2010 about how to give a good radio interview you know that's that shows how old the thing is but uh, yeah it's it's really tough and i think it's especially difficult when you see the same big names getting fantastic publicity everywhere because that's the way the machine works doesn't it you know the magazines if if they feature a prominent designer they know they're going to get clicks and so on and so forth so it was always that was another thing I wanted to do I wanted to create a platform that wasn't that included those big names absolutely but was not so much part of that kind of top of the ladder world and instead kind of recognized the talent that was emerging yes but also the talent that was quiet and unassuming because there are so many, so many fantastic artists and designers out there who are doing great work, but they never shout about it. And that can be for a number of reasons. It can be, you know, they can have imposter syndrome. They they might just find it a little bit egotistical. That's kind of some of the feedback I get from some designers. They don't want to come across as, you know, showing off or brash. And then, and, and you know, most of the time, here's here's the thing, it's they don't have the luxury of time. They just don't have the resource to be able to sort of then, you know, they've launched a project. It's gone really well. The client's happy. They haven't got the time to put together the visual materials to then and then go and approach journalists. They might well know how to do it, but they just don't. They're just very, very busy. And I think the pandemic has made a lot of people who are already running very fast run a lot harder because everyone's terrified of it all going wrong. So we're making hay while the sun shines, so to speak. It's a combination of things. It's complicated. But I hope that Creative Boom is a platform that can kind of solve a few of those issues in a sort of, you know, in ever, whatever small way we can. How much time do you think a creative has to spend on the promotion side of things? For example, if someone submits work to Creative Boom, do they have to already have created all the materials to, you know, the press release that maybe a video of their work, you know, yeah. videos becoming so much more important with social media platforms. So how much time actually does it take them? Is it like 70, 30, 30% on promotional sort of material? I'm not sure. It depends how, 
if they're starting out and they haven't done it before, it's obviously going to take some time to get their head around how the machine works. But once you know how the, how it works, it should just be sort of a case of adding it to your sort of workflow. So you wrap up a project and you're obviously going to create some beautiful images to put on your portfolio, or your website, or maybe share on your Instagram. Not that Instagram's helping much anymore, but you know what I mean. And all they have to do is say, okay, I'll add to that list, press. So, you know, figure out what the standard size of most, you know, online publications, which is where most creatives will want to get their work, but figure out what kind of really good dimensions are for, for images. For example, graphic designers on their portfolio seem to have very sort of low heighted images, which is great on their portfolio because they're lovely and wide as well. But on a magazine like Creative Boom, they need to be higher. They just need to sort of have a sort of more standard landscape size and to sort of get a good hint on what that might be, go on one of the reputable stock image sites and see what their typical dimensions are for a stock image. And that'll give you a good indicator of what journalists are looking for. And then it's just a case of, I mean, it's it's there, it's right there. Look at what your favorite design studios, look at what they've had published on your favorite magazine, see what details are provided. Essentially a journalist or editor's job, they're very busy and they get bombarded. So if you submit and provide them with everything they need right away, so they don't need to do a lot of chasing, they don't have to go and do a lot of back and forth, they don't need to teach you how to submit your work mm. for, for their news or their inspiration section, then the more chance you have of getting featured. And that's the thing, that's the secret that a lot of creatives don't realise. If they, if they know how to do PR and they do it well, then they, they have got way more chance of getting featured than anyone else their work might not be that great but if, if they've done that part really well and they know that the journalist wants say six images of their work maybe some mp4s and gifs in the right format in the right dimensions and provided a ton of information that the journalist can then turn into a story then you've got such a great chance of getting that promotion it's things like sort of having credits for all the images, having quotes. Is, is it things like writing about yourself in the third person so that that doesn't have to all be changed for the copy? Or is it, I mean, how far does it go in terms of actually sort of providing almost like a pre-built article? Well, it's, it, you can send a press release, can't you? You can draft a press release and a press release is simply a, a statement of facts, you know. So you can you can write your kind of latest, say, graphic design project as if it's a new story. So you sort of say, I don't know, the print space has launched, the print space has unveiled a new brand identity for Creative Boom to celebrate the leading platform's 13th anniversary or something like that. You know, find a news hook that's interesting. So if you've done something really, in, you know, inspiring with, say, the the logo, maybe you, you've done some kind of bespoke typo typography whatever it is pick that out and make that the kind of main angle of your story and then write it as you as you would see most of the kind of stories on platforms like creative boom and have a practice i did a really good i sat down with a friend of mine who's a designer dotto studio danny molyneux and was helping her with her uh, website because i recommended on an, an article a tips article actually that every designer should have a press page or at least on their contact page some information for journalists you know it can be something very simple like for press inquiries please contact this email address or you know 
available for podcast recordings. I have a, a quality microphone, that kind of thing. And I was helping her create press packs. And once you once you've done one, it just you just kind of start to really understand how that how the kind of you know how you format each piece of work to appeal to a journalist. And now Dotto and a few of my other friends who, you know, it's great to be able to help them, have got these amazing press packs on their website and they're flying. And the, the difference between some of these people that I, I help, you know, prior to knowing how to do all this compared to now, I mean, they're on all the, all the magazines now. Mm. It's such, it, honestly, it, I would reserve a couple of days to do some courses online, buy a book on PR, you know, a relatively updated one. And just get your head around how the system works, because it's just purely a system. It's got nothing to do with how good you are, whether, you know, people don't, you know, people are not going to pick you to put you on, on their platform. If you've got a good story, that's the key. So reserve maybe the kind of the bigger projects, the one with the really lovely visuals for submitting to, you know, choose, pick your battles, as they say, choose the ones that you think will do well. But yeah, it's, it's something anyone can learn. I mean, going back to something you said earlier, I feel for a lot of creatives being that strategic about, you know, how they go about promoting themselves kind of feels alien to them in the sense of yeah. they almost feel like that they shouldn't do that, that that somehow devalues their work or makes them makes it style over substance or whatever. How do you kind of how do you, as an artist, how should you feel about, as a creative, a designer, an artist, how should you feel about spending that time to 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 promote yourself? Is it just a necessity? I mean, is it an absolute necessity? Because I think a lot of people look at really successful artists and say, well, they didn't do it and they didn't do it. But then you never really know how they got successful in the first place. Yeah, I think, Pete, doing your own self-promotion, it's, it's an important part of the of the process you know if i mean it works if you get featured on a magazine people are going to see your name and they're going to think oh gosh they're doing really interesting things and then you could be the person that they pick up the phone to and say we've got this project we'd love to have you come in and work it works you know there's an, an entire pr industry worth billions that looks after brands for this purpose to get people into magazines and editorial and it's even more difficult than ever before to do that so if they can afford it they can have they can hire a freelance PR person to do this all for them and take the headache away or if they can really afford it a PR agency photography always helps as well so there are certain barriers for creatives who aren't you know as flush as say some of the more established names barriers to entry like can they afford to get good photography of their products for example there's a photographer holly booth she's based in the, the midlands and she does this amazing service for creatives who are selling products online so it could be like posters or cards stationery that kind of thing and you just pop them in the post to her and she very affordably and takes pictures of them in her beautiful studio with props and does the whole thing for you and then sends them back so that you can then put them on your shop and and sell your products a lot better so that's one you know fantastic way of promoting yourself but those same images could be used for news articles you know so and so has just launched a new print shop you know the, there's so many ways that you can do your own pr without it being this kind of big scary 
time-consuming thing it's just one step at a time and I I would start very simply and you know us creatives what we all we always know a photographer don't we we always we've always got a friend who is hoping to build their portfolio is there a way that you can scratch each other's backs and get some nice portrait shots of yourself done ready for pitching yourself to journalists could you sort of spend a day learning how to write a press release you'd be surprised you'd be surprised how you know quickly you can pick these things up the journalist needs a little bit of help you know they I mean I find loads of really talented people on Instagram that's how I sort of approach people and say I saw your work on Instagram would it be okay if we featured you could we do a little interview so it's not necessarily about pitching direct with press releases and hey I'm submitting my work, here's my portfolio type thing. Journalists are scouring things like Twitter and LinkedIn, LinkedIn especially, my goodness. I get so many news stories from LinkedIn these days. So I think as a creative, if you're going to do your own marketing, you have to see it as part of your process. So when you wrap up a project, you have to then create the visuals that you need and the copy that you need to put it on your portfolio, on your social media profiles, and then submit it to your favorite magazines and just see it as part of the process and see what happens. So what kind of percentage of stories and and projects that get featured on Creative Boom were via submissions, sort of unsolicited submissions? And, and what percentage did, do your team go out and find? Because it's now a full-time sort of thing, it's changed enormously. I think we used to rely more on submissions than anything else. Now we're constantly scouring. We're keeping abreast of what's happening in the industry. If we see something elsewhere that we haven't covered, we may then approach that agency and, and get the information we need to write, to run and do some kind of profile or feature on that story. So it's a combination, submissions, PR agencies sending in press releases who work on behalf of large design studios or artists. And then scouring things like Instagram and LinkedIn. It's, you know, it's a busy, busy day. I can imagine. Are you looking for more video these days? Or, or I mean, what makes actually, what, what, do, what are you looking for? Are you looking for some kind of like news angle, some topicality to it? Or are you just looking for an amazing piece of content about a project? Well, we're kind of evolving. So we previously just had our main inspiration section so we would kind of look for work look for projects look for kind of new art series photography series and then we would sort of write about them and critique them and and talk about them in that way in the last couple of years we've introduced a new section we didn't have a new section before because we just didn't have the resource you know it's quite an overwhelming thing to have a new section you have to keep on top of everything so we now sort of have news that's coming out from the industry and that's like award ceremonies and big sort of launches big exhibitions and huge rebranding projects so the magazine has really come on in the last couple of years yeah it, it's a massive combination of content when I think about it we also have lots of different features we do interviews we have insight pieces from the industry to figure out what's happening you know what people are thinking opinion pieces that kind of thing and then we have our classic tips section, which is still kind of beloved. I remember we we almost thought about getting rid of it about, oh gosh, six or seven years ago. And, and lots of people said, please don't get rid of it because it's such a help and it really helped me start my business. And I said, oh, right, that's good. Because I, I, I honestly thought that the tips section was a little bit, you know, speaking the obvious, but actually it's kind of adds to Creative Boom's 
warm spirit you know it's like don't worry we're all in the same boat we've all been through this and here's our advice so yeah and then we also have a book club where we share the latest publications so it's it's a nice old mix it takes a lot of looking after and i'd be loath to to sort of change anything about it now really so i i read that you have seven million people who engage with your content per year and where does most of that engagement happen does it kind of come through your newsletter does it come through your podcast does it come through seo to your site or is it also coming through instagram and what about tiktok it's mainly organic and direct traffic and the newsletter so we made the decision when we founded it 13 odd years ago that we knew we couldn't rely on social media platforms to build a community so it was always on the ethos that we have to build our own platform we have to build our own community and we did that via the website and content and building a newsletter and it's done us very proud considering the algorithms undoubtedly changed and you know you're never really in control of your brand when it's on somebody else's space so because of that we most of our traffic is is organic and or direct we're you know something i'm incredibly proud of we do get a lot of traffic from social but it's not something we really need like if i switched off all my social networks tomorrow i barely notice to be honest as for tiktok we are on there vaguely i'm reluctant to sort of go down that rabbit hole because i just i don't know it's it just doesn't feel like the right platform for us i might be wrong things change i'm allowed to change my mind just a disclaimer it's there it's bubbling in the background we're thinking about it i mean to be honest video is one of those things that a lot of creatives are struggling with at the moment because of instagram now saying it's a video only platform i saw a i won't mention any names but i saw a, a, a designer the other day put a video up of themselves saying oh well apparently this is what we all have to do now do videos so here i am talking into the camera and then i checked later because i wanted to show someone because i found it quite interesting how everybody's struggling with this move to video not everyone some people are doing great but most people are like oh i can't be bothered and uh, sure enough they deleted the uh, video so in, in all honesty we're just kind of focusing on the platform you know itself and building our our own kind of thing really and and maybe that's the right decision maybe it's not you know i'll just probably go along with what i normally do try things out but really kind of listen to my gut and my gut's sort of saying spend your time elsewhere because it's probably better spent that way yeah we always advise artists who are setting up print stores to lead it back to your site and to build your email list because that's something that you're in control yeah. of that you can always have that conversation with the people who follow your work and i think a lot of people also remember what happened with facebook where yeah. people built built up huge followings and then literally overnight like i've got a friend of mine an artist who he had over a million followers and then wow. literally overnight he couldn't speak to any of them without paying I guess that lives long in the memory, doesn't it? And, and okay, so I'm now going to spend you know, a year creating repeated videos, which is really hard. Like yeah. video is harder. There's no doubt about that because it's more information and, and you're having to create more information for social media. If you're going to spend a year, two years and you can build up to a million followers and then suddenly 
the shareholders of the social media sites say, no, you know, we need to monetize this harder. Right, let's make everyone pay. And then, I guess there's that danger of, of, of that happening again with TikTok. We're, we're certainly seeing that people can sell art on TikTok. Yeah, but it's that kind of thing of, it is so much harder to create video content and edit it. You know, just not even the file sizes, but just the fact that you're having to create these narratives and these arcs, you can't just put yeah. some pictures up of your work. I think it, it depends on who you are and, and what your brand is and what you do. The fact is, I'm a platform that kind of, you know, shares other people's work and and supports the creative community to an extent because I'm doing that I won't get as much I won't get as much kind of impetus as maybe an artist that's promoting their own work so to speak I think there is definitely a favoring of of that you know for example I'm a I'm a platform I'm I'm making money I am and so in Facebook's eyes, they want me to pay to access my community. That's fair enough. I'd, I'd prefer it if they came out with a subscription model. That would be amazing. You know, give us a little bit more of that kind of engagement that we had, what, what was it, six or seven years ago? And now Instagram's followed suit. But, you know, I, I just can't bring myself to spend advertising money on a platform that I don't trust. I don't know if that money is actually going to reach anyone. And also, does it really kind of meet creative booms original ethos you know we've deliberately kept the site as ad free as possible and built it very slowly over 13 years and built the community first rather than splashing loads of ads everywhere and making money and that is oh, that is so tough so i think we just sort of made the decision no we're not going to unless we do a sort of partnership with a a client who is advertising with us and they want to do something on social media if if we can possibly avoid it we're not going to do advertising on social media do you remember last uh, in 2020 when everybody was doing these amazing videos on instagram these kind of live talks these q a's all this kind of stuff mm. i was just so overwhelmed and i made the decision then i'm not going to do any of this with creative boom i'm not going to do i'm not going to record podcast videos i'm not going to do any of that I'm just exhausted by it. If I'm exhausted by it, there's going to be a lot of people out there who are also exhausted by it. And the last thing I want to do is cause any anxiety or make people feel like we're just pushing out all this content for nothing. So there's always a decision behind every, re you know, every, every reason why I don't decide to do something, whether it's, again, whether it's right or not, I don't know, but I've kind of proactively avoided video up until this point, maybe maybe season five of my podcast might be recorded video wise but we'll see it just it just doesn't sit well with me i just think i prefer the i prefer the voice <laughs> and, the, and the platform and words you know i think it's i think it's nice to have those things but then you know could be wrong i i guess how do you think that translates for individual creatives because if for example i go onto google and I Google creative industry projects or creative industry news, you know, obviously creative boom is going to come up quite highly on that because you are a platform and you're creating that much content that it, it's, it's, it's actually really friendly for the search engines. Whereas for an individual, if, if you sort of go on and Google illustrator London, mm -hmm. 
I mean, what is the chart? What are the chances of an individual creative sort of getting onto page one there, unless they're just like spending all their time creating content? So, is I, I, I've actually read a stat that if you create content natively on social media, that means you actually use their creative tools, then you're six to seven times more likely to go viral mm. with that content than if you're sort of creating it off there and, and uploading a video and things like that. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's like maybe more relevant for the individual creative to, to be doing the social media side of things? Or, or, or would you say that that's too high risk for them also? Because they might build up this huge following and then, you know, the algorithm changes and their business disappears overnight. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I've, I've seen a lot of creatives who have relied on Instagram, for example, see their kind of engagement drop off overnight and they're figuring out what to do next. Some are sort of talking about TikTok. Some are talking about, you know, going back to more traditional routes like, you know, starting a newsletter or integrating a blog on their website. I, I think you just, if, if we're talking about self-promotion, if you concentrate on building your own content on your site, and when I say that, I mean, have a blog that isn't sort of separate from your domain, have one that's actually integrated into your site so that every time you create a blog post, you're creating a new web page that says to Google, hey, my website's got new content, come and crawl me, I'm important type thing. So every time you do that, you imagine you're like a, you're sat in a fishing boat in the middle of a lake. And every time you write a blog post, you're putting in another line um, to catch the fish, if, if that makes sense. So make sure you're always doing that. Make sure you have a newsletter where you can share those blog posts and updates. And then just use the kind of social media platforms to share that content too and, and keep people abreast of what's going on. And just know that at some point things may change. But if you've always got that blog and if you've always got that newsletter, the vehicles in which you share what you're doing, yeah, they might change they might get more difficult to share your message, but there'll always be other things you can rely on. LinkedIn, for example, my goodness, LinkedIn is the place to be. It's great. Oh, yeah, LinkedIn is fantastic. Hashtags work there. People, you can follow as many people as you like. You don't necessarily have to connect with them and you can share your work and, and people interact with it. We're having great success with Creative Beam on there. We've, we've built up to about 45,000 followers there I never really sort of had a huge focus on LinkedIn but just three or four years ago started to sort of focus on it a lot more because things were changing elsewhere and a lot of people I speak to are saying the same thing you know okay so Instagram and Facebook not really working anymore Twitter's a toxic place let's have a go with LinkedIn so I don't know you just you've just got to kind of adapt as things change you've got to kind of remember that there are kind of like yeah these three different types of channels aren't they they're your earned your owned and your paid classic marketing mm. which uh, some people will be thinking what's she on about well your <laughs> your owned your owned stuff is that you kind of your website and your newsletter and you know your paid is sort of perhaps maybe taking out some instagram ads or whatever so and your earned is kind of your pr and uh, and that's what i would do but if you're talking about, I mean, I, I don't know if you were asking this in the question, if you're talking about how a creative gets at, on the first page of the search engine results, that is more difficult than ever, but there is a way to do it. I would just, again, go out there. There are so many resources. SEO is changing all the time. Go and learn SEO. Go and figure out 
go and go and find out what a meta title is and and whether you need to sort of update your meta description see whether you know it helps to get listed on google places i think it's called the, these days as a sort of you know illustrator in london there's a fantastic resource called moz moz.com mm -hmm. i think there's free free tools on there free sort of guides and they're constantly on top of it so they're a good one to to go to but yeah it's 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 a lot of work and, and this is all I've done for the last 20 years. And so the reason why Creative Boom's on the first page of, of Google for various search terms is because I have been sat in the middle of a lake for 13 years and I've been throwing out a ton of hooks to catch the fish. And here we are. And that's why most of my traffic comes, comes through there. Yeah, I think with SEO, there are opportunities in the sense that the search has become more sort of intelligent. Therefore... For example, we did a, a series of blog posts a year and a half ago about selling art on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And that went straight to the top result yeah. on, on Google. And so I think, again, it, it's actually interesting because earlier you said about having, when you submit your work to publications like Creative Boom, that you should, you know, have a focus of the story a hook and mm -hmm. i think that google is becoming sophisticated enough that you can do the same kind of thing on with seo so you know people people might google something like what's the best new social media platform i can sell art on and that how to sell art on TikTok will come up the top which is not a direct answer to the question but it, it's an intelligent answer to the question. And I think, I think there's more, you know, there's more opportunities on SEO. I think if, if you're creating good content, I think a few years ago, people would just pay people to churn out content for SEO. Yeah. And we never did that because we just thought, look, good content is what really is going to build your brand. And, and so I yeah. think you have to sit there and really think of what you want to say. Just sort of change your tack a little bit. The technology in the industry just keeps changing. It makes it easier and easier for people to create amazing creative content. So we're now starting to see AI coming into the industry as well. Do you think that's made it easier for creatives to create original things or is it sort of made it harder because it's so many more people can, can actually pick it up and do it without learning all the skills that you had to have 10 years ago to do the same thing. I think with Dali, I think any creative who's alive today should be very, very worried indeed. This is like machine learning at its most fascinating. These are compute, these are the most sophisticated computers on earth. This is AI. This is, this is basically some, a machine that's going to replace you at some point. And, and you can't sort of joke, you know, you can't sort of get around that. It will never, ever replace humans. There's, there's something that we have that machines can never possess, no matter how sophisticated or amazing they become. But what I do think, I, I don't know what your question was, but I think you're asking me, you know, should, are, are you asking me, should creatives be worried or should they? Uh, I'm sort of saying that I see I see a lot of the AI tools as making it easier yes. to create amazing things, but I, I, I still feel like the human viewpoint 
is what what is creativity it's the human viewpoint it's the human experience right yeah uh, it's the human philosophy when people ask me about dahlia i say that would just be another tool to create your viewpoint right? yeah it's a but, tool definitely yeah but does it make it i mean do all these tools for example you know i can go out and take fantastic photos with my iphone do do these i see some of the videos for example on 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 instagram reels like amazing they look like really high quality production value kind of videos and yet i know they were shot on an iphone hmm. and does this make it actually harder for creatives to sort of get noticed with their own creativity because now everybody can go out and create new things or does it just make it easier because you can translate your vision your viewpoint a lot lot easier without having those big barriers to entry having to spend thousands of pounds you know on a, a on a video production team to sort of come along with you on your shoot to show a behind the scenes kind of video or something does it make it easier or harder that's I, I suppose. yeah there's quite a few questions there i think the, the easiest way to answer this is with every with every revolution, with every kind of bit of technology that disrupts industry, there is always going to be people who get hurt and there's always going to be a learning process and there's always going to be a, a process of adapting. With with the internet, it's killed a lot of a lot of kind of fantastic publications. But inevitably, like with all these things, it allowed the cream to rise to the top, if you know what I'm saying. So as creatives are sort of, you know, coming across these new technologies, they can embrace them. Absolutely. But I think they are, they, they are a threat. And I think they will sort of anybody out there who is just doing sort of mediocre work and not really kind of, you know, something that a, an, an AI machine can do. Yeah. They, they should be worried. So if I was, if I was a creative today, I would be thinking, how can I, build my skills so that I am indispensable. So how can I become more of a consultant, go into companies and advise the board on how they can develop their branding or, you know, how they can sort of improve their marketing communications overall. It's, it's about kind of recognizing that if any of us are to survive in the next kind of hundred years and have a job to, to enjoy, then we have to diversify. We have to sort of be thinking about these other skills that we can use. And if, for example, you're working in graphic design, could you learn SEO? Could you, could you kind of like pick up some sort of web development skills? I'm sure that, you know, create the creatives that we certainly engage with on Creative Boom are smart and they know this and they know that they have to diversify and stay ahead of the game. I think to be honest, quite a few of them are exhausted by all the disruption that's been happening over the last few years. And are a bit sort of sick of having to have all these kind of you know transferable skills but you know and, and I can't say I can't predict what will happen but I just know that it always helps to branch out and spot opportunities for you know where your career could possibly go should the worst happen and that's kind of what any of us can do I did it back in the early 2000s when I saw that radio was dying sadly and I had to go into PR and marketing I hadn't got a clue what I was doing but picked it up quite quickly and and here we are so as for sorry what was what was your question because you asked me quite a few and I'm trying to it's an interesting yeah. topic darling yeah I just, um, like any technology we just have to keep evolving and we can you know remember that a robot 
cannot go into a, a meeting room and recognize who holds the purse strings and who's falling out with who and who who's you know what politics there are in the room yeah <laughs> you know, humans will always have the, the upper hand i feel but yeah i think adaptability is the key because when i started my career 30 years ago i remember being told and this was big news at the time that you will have to have about four or five career switches in your mm. career and that was big news because you know my the people who were retiring when i started my career had done the same thing for mm -hmm. since they started their careers you know literally for 30 40 years they've done exactly the same thing and i think that now it's it's even more than four or five it's yeah you know so this year you might have to be an expert on video and TikTok, but then next year you might have to be an expert on something else. Mm -hmm. I think it's that adaptability thing, isn't it? In, in, in you know, you, you just can't stop learning. You're going to have to learn all the time. Yeah. I guess where your tips, <laughs> your tip section comes in very handy because you have to keep learning new skills and it can be hard yeah it it is hard and you know we're constantly doing that too you know there's there's a new lesson every day whether it's you know upgrading podcasting equipment or figuring out you know a new navigation bar or you know whatever kind of file we're putting out that day you know you just never stop that's how you survive you've got to kind of keep thinking about how you can improve that's not to say you have to work all hours and you know you know disrupt your work-life balance my goodness but yes if you're going to be a successful creative then it does take a little bit of extra thinking about how can I sort of how can I what thing can I do today to improve my portfolio what press release can I start writing have I kind of promoted that new project on Instagram yet and should I consider creating a video for TikTok you know that kind of thing it's it's hard work really <laughs> it's such a yeah a kind of crazy but fascinating industry to be in and if you love all that if you thrive off the the varying tasks which i do i mean goodness i'd be so bored if i didn't have all these fires to put out every day and if i was looking at the clock which i never do i relish the the challenges that this ongoing technology and all these kind of fresh things that are happening all the time i relish the challenge of okay this is new let's Let's see how we solve this. Or is this something we should do? I don't know. The gut's saying no, but we could be wrong. I mean, we were kind of wrong with Instagram. We kind of didn't bother at first. <laughs> so so I could have way more followers by now if I'd have invested a bit of time into Instagram. When was it? 10 years ago. But yeah, you just got to try and do your best and hope that it all works out. <laughs> One of the things we recommend with creatives is maybe to do things like collaborations where if you don't have that skill so let's say you're an illustrator and you want to do some 3d sort of animations or maybe you want to do something in virtual reality or augmented reality that you find people who have those complementary skills and you get together and you collaborate on those projects so i mean for example you know with yourself and your own story you you had the desire to write and surface all these stories and projects for creatives and your husband was a software developer who could help you to make the first steps mm -hmm. so where where can people go and find 
these collaborators to work with where's where i mean obviously you can you can find them when you're at university when you're art college mm -hmm. but once you're out in your career where, where where are good places to go and find people to collaborate with I think you just got to get out there. A lot of the success that some of my friends have had in that in Manchester have been purely by having a desk space or an office in a building where, it, you know, a lot of creative people are. There was a lovely building that we were in for a while called M1. And we had downstairs Stan Chow, the famous illustrator who works for The New Yorker, who we'd sometimes see coming back from lunch with a bag from KFC. A very funny chap love, love him to bits and very talented my goodness and we had Danny Danny Molyneux upstairs she runs her own graphic design a studio she's a graphic artist there was David Sedgwick who runs studio DB gosh who else so many so many amazing people Nick and Micah it, it's kind of you create this little hub this creative community so my advice would be to get out there and if you can't afford a, a co-working desk somewhere or an office then there are so many events happening locally just go to those and be friendly and get chatting to people and you'll see the same if you go to them on a regular basis you'll see the same names again and again because creatives don't tend to switch off right they love going to workshops and design talks and new exhibitions they'll there'll be a friend friendly face that you start sort of you know seeing more and more and then it's a case of saying she finds you going for a coffee and i mean we have literally been in our homes for such a long time. We forget how effective it is to get out in the real world and do things in real life and meet people. We're human. We need connections. I'm a, I touch people's arms. I'm terrible. I do that all the time and I love it. And now, now I'm kind of, can I still do that? <laughs> I'm a very tactile <laughs> person. So I'll go in and, and just touch their forearm just gently and move it away. And Hello. And it's, it's great. It's great to be back out, but there is nothing like human interaction to build contacts. And, you know, you get talking, you say, oh, well, I've got this project that's going on and I'm a bit stuck. And, oh, that's interesting. My friend over there, have you met him? Here's Jim. Come, Jim. Come and say hello. Meet Katie. You know, whatever. It, that's how it happens. Unfortunately, there's no magic wand. You have to get out and meet people. You've got to go to these events, rent a desk somewhere. It'll all just start to sort of naturally come about. And and I think that's how the best collaborations happen anyway. That's certainly been the case for me. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's an element of randomness that 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 creates new things, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and brings people together with who wouldn't normally seek each other out, maybe. Exactly. It's about making friends, essentially, and yeah. realizing that you can all help each other out. I'm gonna be doing a few things locally here in Manchester this year, which I'm really excited about and I can't talk about just yet, but that's come about from that M1 one time when, you know, you brush shoulders with all these interesting people and, and yeah. And, and it's funny how everybody stayed in touch as well from that building. Some are now in London, some have moved to Bristol, but we're all still in touch. I think we're all on the same WhatsApp group, oh, uh, cool. Facebook group. And so that's, that's what you gotta do. You've gotta put yourself out there. So some live events coming up. Well, that, that sounds exciting. We certainly need some more of those. So just to sort of round off and thank you for your time. It's been really, really uh, enlightening. And if you were, I, I just want to ask the question, if you're kind of starting out now, so you haven't gained a following, you, you know, if you're coming from art college or maybe you're just making that leap from a job you don't like into, you know, pursuing your creativity full time how do you how do you get started i mean how do you make 
you, what advice would you give to someone, a creative who's doing commercial work or an artist who wants to have exhibitions and sell work? Mm-hmm. How, would you, how would you actually make those first sort of two or three steps? What do you do? I'd start a side project. And I would kind of like do something that was really interesting that was going to kind of get a little bit of attention from people, whether whether that's likes and retweets or a feature in a magazine. Side projects are absolute gold because they also give you the opportunity to build up your portfolio. They allow you to build skills and they give you something to talk about. When I used to go to networking events 13 years ago and I told people that I worked in PR, their eyes would just glaze over and they would fall asleep and probably move on to the next person and I wouldn't blame them but when I told them that I had a side project called Creative Boom which was all about the art and design community and supporting creatives and it you know they could see that my eyes lit up and I was really excited about it then there was something to talk about and then there was something that allowed people to follow you back so do something on the side that perhaps brings people together that you can collaborate with because then, you know, extra bonus, you make new friends, you build a little community and you give back. And then you've got this perfect storm because if you're starting out with nothing and you've got nothing really yet to show, then you've just got to make something that, that, that can fill that gap until you do have those other work projects to add in there, if that makes sense. I mean, it depends entirely what you, who you're talking about, whether it's an artist, that's a completely different thing. You know, you have to perhaps you've just got to do the work in that case paint the canvases go and talk to galleries but if you're talking about illustrators and graphic designers and photographers then start a side project I mean I know so many photographers who will take a theme and they'll sort of say right I'm gonna do a really lovely visual story on this very subject and it might be something very current and very kind of you know of the now and that'll get attention people engage with it and they'll get work from that and they'll build contacts, you know, so it, it really is, I, I could sit here for two hours and tell you what they could do. But if I can just give this one piece of advice, it's have a think about what you're passionate about and what you'd like to do creatively, create that as a side project and just see what happens. You'll be really, really pleasantly surprised. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Katie. That's been, that's been really fascinating and really enlightening. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.